Welcome to All About Agatha, the podcast dedicated to reading and ranking every single mystery novel written by the queen of crime, Dame Agatha Christie. I'm Kemper Donovan. I'm Catherine Brabeck. And this is The House of Lurking Death. Ooh, ominous. I know, a very ominously titled Tommy and Tuppence story. No. Not so often that we get such a big title for these two. And kind of a creepy story, too, <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, it So is. let's jump right into this one and talk about the publication history. It was published in uh, The Sketch. The Sketch! The Sketch on November 5th, 1924. And then, of course, obviously in the Partners in Crime collection in 1929. Jumping right in, we're going to talk about our victim, who is Lois Hargreaves. A well-dressed, pretty young lady from a country estate called Thurnley Grange, who has come to the agency to ask Mr. Blunt, yes, I am using air quotes right now as I say that, because that, of course, would be Tommy, for help. Remember, they are posing as the Blunt detective agency, so Tommy is Mr. Blunt and Tuppence is his assistant, Miss Robinson. And Lois comes in because she has recently received a box of poison chocolates. My mom always said... Life was like a box of chocolates. Of course she has. Right. Regular occurrence. (laughs) Regular occurrence in a Christie story. You never know what you're going to get. So they've been delivered to her home, and they were proven to have arsenic in them. Wait, you mean not just giant piles of pills? (laughs) Not just like 70 bear. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) To crunch through. (laughs) Nope, just just a soupçon of arsenic. So she asked Mr. Blunt and Miss Robinson to please investigate as she wants to keep it under wraps because she's afraid that it was someone in her house. And she has a very good reason for that fear, which we will get into. A very good and very convenient reason, right. I thought. All right, let's talk about her suspects. So suspect number one is Dennis Radcliffe, who is Lois's, I guess, cousin by marriage, by her aunt's marriage. It's not really a cousin. But he essentially should have inherited the Radcliffe fortune, but it instead went to Lois. And that was because Dennis was a bit of a ne'er-do-well, right? right? Next, we have Miss Logan, who is the late Lady Radcliffe's sort of companion and also a distant cousin to the Radcliffe family. So this is one of those poor relations who's come to live with the family in a quasi-working relationship and all the awkwardness that ensues with that sort of situation. Right. And then we have Mary Chilcott, who's Lois's friend from school. Next up is Esther Quant, the parlor maid, who is a parlor maid and a nice, quiet girl. And then we have Hannah, the maid, who is a religious fanatic. Dr. Burton. This is our final suspect. And he's not really a suspect, but he's around the house and Lois confides in him. So we should include him on there because you never know in a Christie story. You never know what you're going to get. Especially with doctors. Especially with doctors. So, what is the world as it appears to be? Lois shows up at the detective agency, and Tommy and Tuppence uh, do what they are want to do, and they spy on her through the peephole. Since they have obviously nothing better to do, they're definitely not busy and very excited that they have a potential new client. Right. So uh, she appears to be very fashionably dressed for Tuppence. And Tommy immediately... Her clothes are the latest shout. Indeed. And so Tommy immediately (laughs) decides to let her in. And she proceeds to tell them that there has been this spree of poisoned chocolate deliveries to country houses near her. And two houses have been hit prior to her own. If this doesn't seem weird enough, she then begs them for discretion, insists that there's a good reason she can't go to the police, and 
She also notes that she's told the local doctor, Dr. Burton, that she is coming to see them. She conferred with him about it, and they remembered the blunt agency ad that ran regularly in the newspaper because clearly Tommy and Tuppence are hard up. Too bad they didn't find the Are You Happy? If not, consult Parker Pine. I know. Uh, newspaper ad. Or maybe they did and they had a hard choice there. <laughs> Tommy presses her on why she can't go to the police because this is odd. And she explains that she thinks someone in her own home is responsible for the poisoning spree. Here's where we, where we get to the rather convoluted and convenient reason why. You see, she has a tendency to doodle in pencil oh, yeah, on parcel wrapping. Yeah, the, <laughs> these three small intertwined fish. And when she checked the back of the wrapping that the chocolate had come in, there in the corner was part of her own doodle that hadn't been entirely cut off from the wrap. And this is a personal quirk. It's a safe assumption to make that no one else is making that sort of a doodle, unless they wanted it to right. be clear that it was coming from inside the house. And obviously they didn't. They seem to have gone out of their way to suggest that this is an outside job and that two other houses in the neighborhood were poisoned. So she's just concerned that this is a family matter and she does not want the police and the press to get involved if she can avoid it. Right. And the reason is that there is a household situation going on because... Oh, is there? She was the niece of the late Lady Radcliffe, who had inherited the late Lord Radcliffe's huge fortune. And so Lady Radcliffe had originally intended that when she died, the fortune would go to Lord Radcliffe's blood nephew, Dennis, since it was Radcliffe money. Instead, she had a huge falling out with Dennis for unclear reasons, although, again, it seems like perhaps he was a little bit of a ne'er-do-well. And yeah. so, a little bit of like the, the girl in the train situation yeah, with our I think young so. hero who yeah. falls out. Yeah. Yeah. She ends up leaving all of the money to Lois for Lois to receive, essentially, when she turns 21, which Lois has just done three weeks previously. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just when the chocolate started right. appearing around town. So... Tommy and Tuppence tell her that they will come down to Thurnley Grange the next day under the guise of American acquaintances. Because Lord knows those Beresfords love to cosplay. <laughs> they love to put on a show. They they oh, would have been the first that. ones in line at like Comic-Con, uh, I feel should, like. They would have well, been no, all they were, Comic-Con. No, they were way too cool for that. They were the kind of people, though, that Are would go... They? Yeah, yeah, they would go to, they were the kind of people who would be like really into throwing a themed dinner party, I think. They spent three hours in an ABC shop, like talking about in like newspaper clipping murder. I know, but I don't see them exactly as dressing up as like Scully and Mulder and going to Comic-Con. Do I sense that you are not a kindred spirit with those who attend Comic-Cons all over the country, if not the world? Catherine Brobeck? Because I, I am. I completely respect that, and some of the costumes are actually great art, and I think that it's, like, awesome technique. Would I don those costumes and join a crowded hall? No, I, I would not. <laughs> that is not a very me thing to do, I will nor say. I, nor I, but I'm glad that there are such people in the world. I am, too. I appreciate the creative impulse. So here's where, when I was reading the story, because I'm going to be honest with you, and and I was not expecting this to happen in a Tommy and Tuppence short story, I was shocked by the turn of events in this story because we are given here what feels like a pretty typical setup for a rollicking Tommy and Tuppence adventure going to Thurnley Grange, 
posing as this American couple and they were going to find out what's happening with Lois and it's all just going to be delightful and hijinks ridden. However, that is not what happens because there is a major wrinkle that occurs the next day. Basically, Lois leaves and then Tommy and Tuppence agree that Dennis obviously looks very suspicious in this whole thing. So they're definitely going to have their eye on him. But what happens the next morning when they wake up, Catherine? Tommy sort of rushes into the bedroom before Tuppence has roused herself to grab her to show her the newspaper headline that reads, Mysterious Poisoning Case, Deaths from Fig Sandwiches. And the story that follows discusses a mysterious outbreak of, wait for a comfort, <laughs> wait of, for it. Of what? Tomaine poisoning. Tomaine poisoning. Or tomaine to poisoning. Can't go more than a few <laughs> stories without that. No bulging can, sadly, since I assume the fig paste came in a glass no, jar. It's a, but... I think it's supposed to be canned. Oh my god. Big taste at Thornley Grange. And so <laughs> unfortunately, dead thus far are Miss Lois Hargraves, the parlor maid Aster Quant, and then Captain Radcliffe and Miss Logan are apparently tremendously ill. And they authorities know it was the fig paste because Miss Chilcott is doing just fine, and she was the one who hadn't consumed the sandwiches. But the thing that shocked me was not only the setup of Tommy and Tuppence going and impersonating these Americans, which just gets Mm -hmm. thrown out the window, but the way that Lois Hargraves is presented when she comes into the office, to me, didn't feel like someone who was about to die. I was really surprised that the story took that turn and that she ends up dying just just that day after she goes home and that she is no longer in this story. And they're shocked and I was shocked and I'm already pulled into the story and having a really great time. So to me, this was one of the stronger Tommy and Tuppence stories that we've read in the Partners in Crime collection. You know why? It's because sometimes they don't feel like they have stakes. Right. And in this one, even beyond the usual stakes of a murder mystery in which, hmm, someone died, so it's really important to figure out what happened since that's bad, this woman, this young woman, practically girl who we just met and were admiring and having a grand old time with and didn't expect to die, just died. And now we really want to figure it out because we really weren't expecting that. It's just, yeah, it works really well. There, there's certainly stakes here. Right. What do they do next? So Tommy and Tuppence do, of course, rush to Thornley Grange, and they are taken to see Dr. Burton. And since Dr. Burton knew that Lois had been to see them, he's more than happy for their assistance to figure out what is happening here. And he thinks that it's some kind of especially virulent tomaine poisoning. And but he's unusu- taking, like unusually so. Yeah, unusually so. Often in these tomaine poisoning cases, as we well know, because as Christie readers, we are tomaine experts at this point. Often it will induce sickness in many, if not all, and perhaps death in one who is weak or ate a lot. But this one just seemed, this one's really ravaged this household. So it's very strong and he's taking it to be tested. But the reaction was certainly not like the arsenic in the chocolates. And he surmises that it must be some kind of vegetal toxin. Tommy then immediately asks him very suspiciously if he thinks that Captain Dennis Radcliffe is suffering the same form of poisoning. But uh, (laughs) Dr. Burton says, well, no, Dennis Radcliffe isn't suffering any kind of poisoning at all anymore. And Tommy feels vindicated for approximately two seconds until Dr. Burton tells him that it's because Dennis Radcliffe is dead. We have now three dead people right. within, within this house. The word that, I mean, it was kind of a large list of suspects for a short story, but we see the reason why now, because three of them are dead. So 
we needed that much of a list to still have enough people here who could have done it to keep the story going. We still have Miss Logan. She's ill, but not dead. Uh, Mary Chilcott is very much alive. And Hannah the Maid is very much alive. And then, of course, we have Dr. Burton and our detectives. So Tommy and Tuppence meet Miss Chilcott. And she tells them it was fancy fig paste from London and that she wasn't affected because she hates figs, but she can't figure out how Dennis was affected since he wasn't at tea, which is when they had the figs. She just has no idea how he ended up being poisoned as well. So Tommy and Tuppet split up to interview the staff. And when they reconvene, it's recounted that Esther and Lois definitely ate the sandwiches at tea, but that it had all been completely cleared by the time Dennis came home, and he had only a cocktail before dinner. And Tuppence, being, of course, very bright, grabs the unwashed glass from the maid before it can be washed and arranges for Tommy to give it to Dr. Burton to have tested. And she also notes that Tommy should really meet Hannah the maid. Yeah. So Hannah the maid is found reading alone loudly and fanatically from the Bible. She will not speak to them. And then she rushes at them screaming to get away. Tommy has enough time in his scramble to get out of there to pick up a book from the table, which he shows to Tuppence when they run out of the room. And it's an old book called Materia Medica by Edward Logan. Logan. Hmm. Interesting. That leads them to interview Miss Logan, who is suffering from this poisoning, right? Right. And so she's, of course, still in bed. Looks terrible. But she tells Tommy and Tuppence that she has no clue why they found that book near Crazy Hannah because it is one of her father's books. And he was a pioneer of serum therapeutics. Keep that in mind. And she also says that she has no idea why Hannah had it because she lent it to Mary. Miss Logan has a little test kitchen where she brews liqueurs and preserves and Mary likes to experiment. Dun, dun, dun. Although, you know, that did make me think of Miss Marple, who also liked to brew her own liqueurs. Remember when she was plying the vicar in Murder at the Vicarage with all of her little home brews and concoctions? Oh, right. But it's more than me. It's Mary that likes to make little experiments with the Materia Medica book. Yeah. Oh, no, of course. I know. Just Miss Logan's dabbling with liqueurs oh, sure. and yeah. various things, you know, it's, but I, I suppose it's an old lady pursuit. Well, I don't know. <laughs> or like a real hipster one, 22 year old who has like a stall at Smorgasburg <laughs> in Brooklyn. <laughs> Tuppence does not like Mary. She thinks something is, is weird there. Tommy doesn't think that she's that bad. He thinks that her lack of distress, she does not seem to be all that upset about all the death that has been going on in this house, is a point in her favor because obviously if she were guilty, she would make a big deal of being distraught and trying to cover for her happiness over having succeeded. So they don't think the servants have done it. One of them is dead. And the others, other than Hannah, aren't really ever even focused on enough to be proper suspects within the story, right? Right. They think that Hannah is a fanatic who's gone off the deep end. And Toppins then asked Tommy if he noticed these weird small dots up and down Miss Logan's arms while they were interviewing her in her bed. And she said that they seemed to have been made with a hypodermic syringe. And Tommy suggests that maybe Dr. Burton gave her an injection, but Tuppus counters saying not 40 injections because that seems to be about how many little pinpricks there were in her arm. So that's curious. So uh, they then arrive at Dr. Burton's house and he's not there, but he has left a note which reads, Dear Mr. Blunt, there is reason to believe that the poison employed was ricin. 
a vegetable toxalbumose of tremendous potency. Please keep this to yourself for the present. Hmm. Mm. Bryson, how are you feeling? Kind of under the weather? Like you've got the flu? That would be the ricin I gave you. I slipped it into that stevia crap that you're always putting in your tea. Oh, thank God. Well. Goodbye, Lydia. So, yeah, Tommy naturally knows nothing of ricin because, as we have established, the Tommy of Christie's creation is a little dim or at least not bookish, shall we say. But Tuppence is, and she knows a lot about it. And she thinks that she saw castor oil plants at the house because she knows that ricin can be extracted out of castor oil plants. So Tommy suddenly remembers the Materia Medica book in his pocket, flips it open, and realizes that it had been open when he found it to the page on ricin. Interesting. Convenient. Let's talk about the world as it actually is and go through some clues. It's not like anything is pointing to any one person before we comb through our clues here. But by the time we get through them, it's going to be very obvious what's happening, which is pretty typical of a Tommy and Tuppence story. Yeah, they're not puzzles. So clue number one, the method of the poisoning didn't change. Somebody didn't go from being a poisoner to being a stabber, but the intensity did and it changed rapidly. It would at least appear to be that Lois seems to be catching on to the poisoning and then going to London for the help of Mr. Blunt seems to have escalated the killer's actions rapidly. Right. Yeah. Like we would intuit that whoever had been putting the arsenic in the chocolates and doing this bit by bit got scared. Right. And that it was the same person. We're not dealing with two murderers or anything like that. Right. So clue number two, if someone is thrown under the bus for being a poison amateur, as Mary is, we already discussed this, you might want to look at the person who is pointing out that fact. Because the deduction there is that Mary may not have been poisoned herself. She didn't like figs, but... That certainly isn't enough to make her the culprit, and it's pretty obviously laid out there in terms of the information that, yes, Mary did some medical experiments, but who did give them that information? Who seemed to be very interested in creating some obvious suspicion when it came to Mary? Yeah, gee, I I wonder who it was. (laughs) Well, Well, we'll get there, because that would be our murderer. Yeah, clue number three, money. It's... Always about money, right? Almost always. Yeah, Yeah, unless it's not, but (laughs) just always keep your eyes on the money. So Dennis is an obvious suspect, right? Because he was screwed out of the order of inheritance. But you should always, always ask if there's anyone else who stands a chance to inherit. So neither Lois nor Dennis is married. Is there anyone else in the story who might be a relative? Hmm. <laughs> Clue number four. If someone mentions with no prompting that their father created serum therapeutics, maybe pay attention to that fact, especially combined with a book open to <laughs> rice and poisoning and in a story that has to do with multiple murders by poisoning. Mm-hmm. And sure, Mary Chilcott didn't get sick at all, but perhaps there's a reason why Miss Logan got less sick than the rest of the household. 
What's our resolution, Catherine? Who's our murderer? Tuppen sees all these clues, and she marches herself straight into Thernley Grange and into Miss Logan's room, where Miss Logan basically tells her that it's unbecoming of a girl as pretty and young as Tuppence to be a detective, which is right. pleasant. Um, but then she points at Miss Logan's arms and calls her out to her face, noting that she'd essentially used immunization technique to give herself small doses of ricin for some time in order to build immunity while poisoning everyone else. Just think, all that time it was Shawcut that was poisoned. They were both poisoned. I spent the last few years building up an immunity to Iocane powder. Because, in fact, Miss Logan is also a Radcliffe relative, and with Lois and Dennis out of the picture, she inherits everything. And also, property law point here, but that is why Dennis had to die after Lois, because I believe that Miss Logan is Dennis's cousin, right? Yes. She's a Radcliffe, whereas Lois is not. Right. This is what Tuppen says. You chose a day when, and she's talking to Miss Logan, you chose a day when Dennis Radcliffe was out for tea. It wouldn't do for him to be poisoned at the same time. He might die before Lois Hargreaves. So long as she died first, he inherited her money. So she did make a will leaving all of her money to Dennis because she felt bad that he had been disinherited essentially by her. Right. So it's not that the money reverts back to the Radcliffe estate. It's that Dennis, who is a Radcliffe, inherits her money, which is the Radcliffe money. But if Dennis dies before Lois, then Lois's money would go somewhere else. I mean, either in Lois's will, she has a provision, which many wills do. And the, you know, if you say, I want to leave, when I die, I want to leave all my money to X. But if X happens to be dead by that time, then I will leave all my money to Y, or you can spread it among these charities or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the money would be lost. So the money has to successfully be inherited by Dennis Radcliffe, which it is so long as he is irrefutably alive when Lois Hargreaves dies, which is why she is poisoned first and then he's poisoned when he comes back. And yeah, that's pretty devious. And it is skillfully laid in there, the fact that Miss Logan is a relative of not only Lady Radcliffe, but Dennis Radcliffe, of course. And often it's hard, I think, to skillfully lay these clues into a short story because they're short and there just isn't a lot to bury them like in the novels. But I think she did it well here because I had forgotten that. So she's being confronted by Tuppence and Mm -hmm. is sort of just defiant She seems like a terrible person. (laughs) And then crazy Hannah the maid has unfortunately also overheard all of this and run into the bedroom with, it's a torch. And she then uses it to set the bed curtains on fire. A torch in U.S. parlance, I suppose. Not not a a flashlight. flashlight. (laughs) (laughs) Although that'd be a little little less interesting if that were the case. (laughs) (laughs) It's also 1924, so I guess it really wasn't a flashlight. (laughs) Right. And so Tommy is trying to pull the curtains down. And he gets them out, like, with a rug. Um, but Right, he puts the fire out. I mean, this is not a Bertha in Mr. Rochester's bed situation here. Spoiler! No. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, uh, Miss Logan has a heart attack from all of this excitement and dies. Yeah, because this is yet another Christie short story in which an extra legal justice is kind of required because <laughs> you got to wrap it up. <laughs> I know. know. We couldn't see the whole trial of Miss Logan. 
it's also satisfying in its own way. I mean, this is a loopy story. It's called The House of Lurking Death. I think it's a surprising turn that that many people die, including our would-be heroine who comes asking them for help. It's an atmospheric, a creepily atmospheric Tommy Tuppence story, which is saying almost nothing. But I think that it it was well done. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Let's talk a little bit about the adaptation, because we, of course, do have an adaptation for this one within the early 80s Partners in Crime series with our friends Francesca Annis and James Warwick. And very faithful, this one is a more robust short story, so there wasn't a lot of inventing that they had to do to make this a full hour-long episode. They did make a lot of the poisoned chocolates scene. We're actually first introduced to the family sitting around the table, and then they get the chocolates. And in this version, too, Esther the Maid is sort of a tart I know, uh, it's basically, yeah, I mean, she's told to take her makeup off more than once. Yeah, she's told to take her makeup off, and they're ringing the bell when she's interacting with Hannah downstairs, and we're kind of establishing the fact that Hannah is already a bit of a religious fanatic before she really goes off the deep end when everyone dies. And Esther goes up, and everyone is, like, swooning and swanning around, like, oh, the poison chocolate! And it's really ridiculous. I kind of enjoyed it. It's also funny that we don't get Tommy and Tuppence right away. They don't come in for a little bit. I know. Yeah, they, they don't come in for a little bit at all. And then she, you know, Lois goes to them as in the story. And then they go down to the house and they make a lot of the arboretum or sort of greenhouse, I guess, within the house. And this is where it's more effective than in the story because we get to see and feel how creepy the house is. There's a lot of dripping leaves and dark corners and just creepy people. How nasty. More like a jungle than a conservatory. So dank and oppressive. So the whole place is rotting. I wonder who looks after it. Can I help you? Hannah, whose final sequence does not disappoint. But the voice of the Lord spake unto me, and it was good. Take her away! Take her away! Hated my mistress, her ladyship. She was always a viper, jealous and envious. But the wicked shall perish. The fire of the Lord shall consume to me! <laughs> They do everything right, I think, in the story. It's charmingly told. No major surprises. I think all of the strong points that are in the original story are in the adaptation. Yeah, I agree. As per usual, our Tommy and Tuppence here are charming. They've got lots of chemistry. is The House of Lurking Death, our latest Tommy and Tuppence short story mystery. Join us next time for It Has Been a While and I Am Feeling Parched 
for some Miss Marple. A Marpling we go. A Marpling we go. We have the final tale within the 13 problems, Death by Drowning. That is our next episode. Cannot wait. I'm so excited. We have Miss Marple. We have Sir Henry Clithering. We have murder. We have intrigue. We have the bantries. We have the bantries. We have it all. Yes, listener, you can have it all and you will have it all in our next episode. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we would love to hear from you as we always do. Email us at allaboutthedame@gmail.com or find us on Twitter at allaboutthedame. Find Catherine at Brobcat or visit us on Facebook at allaboutagatha. That's our page, All About Agatha. And you can also find us on Instagram at allaboutagatha. And take a moment to rate and review us. We love getting those ratings and reviews and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.